hear the echo when it starts coming out your other speakers as well. That's why I've got to watch it. <laughs> so I've got, to, I've got to hit that button as fast as I can. It's like fastest finger first. If we, we should go. start singing a song and then we can hear it again. Ready? You are online, yeah. by the way. Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> no? That's a lovely intro track that we've got now. I've to watch Better get the echo when it starts coming out. Here we go. There it is. Quick, quick pause. <laughs> got it. We've got a minimum amount of uh, echo coming back on. We are sound live. engineer, as you can tell. Yeah, we are. Awesome. So here we go. Here's the only professional bit. Not. Um, so tonight we've got um, Professor Eddie Cohn. Come on. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, Hoyle Gracie Black Belt and Head Instructor at uh, Eddie Cohn's Academy of Jiu-Jitsu. There you go. Done. That was it. Easy. Uh, nice intro. What an accolade, eh? That was a whole... Eddie, Eddie, do you want to add anything to that? <laughs> oh, that's, good. That, that's good enough for me. We don't, we, we, for I didn't want to... As you've probably seen from the other one, that you, you saw the Keith Owen one, we try not to... It's pretty chilled out, and we try not to kind of dig too much, because obviously we want you to kind of... We want to bring that out as we go along. I Awesome. So, God, do you want to give us a little bit of background about, or give the other guys some background about yourself? And yeah, sure. So, so what you said is exactly right. Um, Eddie Cohn, um, second degree black belt under Master Hoyle Gracie. Um, all belts that have come uh, that I've earned have come through the Gracie family. Um, so, unbroken lineage. Um, spent about twenty six years studying. Uh, and practicing this art and sharing the art uh, since 2002. Uh, prior to that, I was a, a specialist firearms officer within the Metropolitan Police Service, uh, serving both here and host countries abroad um, and dealing with lots and lots of physical confrontation, helping old people across roads, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> fast forward a few years and here we are. Uh, not a world champion, never wanted to be a world champion in jiu-jitsu. Uh, with that said, I'm not against sportive competition. I've competed in both tournament fights and uh, MMA. Prefer the MMA to the jiu-jitsu um, in, in a sportive competition basis. Um, and I'm the proud owner of 19 academies globally. 19, wow. There you go. That's a, that's a big association. How long's the association began how long you had the the other schools and stuff so founded the original school 2002 and the first uh school was founded in 2007 in romania which is now the most prestigious and largest school in romania with the most decorated competitors um and ufc fighters and believe it or not ibjjf world champions so adcc champions they're a very very strong competition team headed up by tudor Hater, who is one of my black belts fantastic yeah. so, yeah. so romania where else in the world could we uh, would we expect to see at eddie cone school believe it or not we have one in brazil really so, so we have brazil and uh, people people are baffled by that they're like well why would you have a school in brazil with a non-brazilian um teacher they do have brazilian teachers you know of course i'm i'm the the black belt that set the school up and and have has the students there and has a black belt there but 
they're grace your mitre students they can go wherever they like you know to train among the family um, so the furthest being brazil we have a couple of caribbean countries that are coming up we have ireland we have poland we have romania um, we have uh, london we have the north of england you know we're dotted around it's kind of it's, it's growing. Um, but listen, I'm not, I never look for the best students. I'm looking for the right students, the right people to carry the torch, the right people who can share the information correctly, who can um, disseminate and, you know, and, and pass that information on. Because what I found over the years are there are abundance of black belts. There are. And um, about all of the black belts, the biggest thing that lets them down is the ability to transmit that information or teach very few very very good teachers and we pride and focus ourselves on excellent teachers we're not preparing our students to come into the academy and become world champion fighters that's not what we're doing we're preparing them for a teacher role when they become at a, a certain level of knowledge that they can then share that knowledge in its entirety with the integrity and it all held together so the chain never breaks you know it's there's a continuous um integrity throughout the whole thing which is really important not only me but for hoyler and of course his father who's passed away at grandma Celio gracie so very important for us yeah how did you how did you get hooked up with the the gracies originally how did that sort of story come about i was on a thai boxing um visit i, I came from a thai boxing background and there was a tournament in uh, in rio and the four cockneys rolled up when they did the tournament, we were at the hotel wearing our Thai boxing attire, as you do. Happy to represent, you know, said school. And um, someone at the door said to us, he's a, the, the bag boy, said, oh, do you know about this family, the Gracies? They fight anyone, any style, this and that. So us being us thought, listen, we're not doing nothing. For, let's go down and check it out. And, uh, yeah, we went down there, all right? And uh, we walked in, bold, bold as brass, as you could imagine. And uh, swaggered in from the east end of London. We've seen everything, seen the whole lot. Uh, walked into a room. If you've ever been to Gracie or, or, or Maita, you it's an impressive place. It's above a, above a university. Um, and, you know, the, the academy was founded there in 1952. It's the original academy. Has two rooms um, and private rooms. Walked in, said we'd, we'd want to come and train and try it out. Brazilian guy had taken us there. We paid him to take us there. And uh, we didn't know who was in the room. Only now, when I look back at some pictures, was I in the presence of giants, of legends in that room, you know, and uh, incredible time for me because I didn't know who they were. You know, I can remember a friend of mine was like, the Gracies, who the hell are these Gracies? Let's go down and see what they, you know. So we went, in we go, and they're all happy, smiley. What do you guys do? Oh, we represent Thai boxing from, from Great Britain. Really? Okay, so... Before you know it, I, I kid you not, and you guys, you, you train jiu-jitsu, you know what, what happens. When you first start to train with someone, remember that they didn't speak English at that time. So it was broken English, the lessons were taught in Portuguese. All I remember was like a, a piece, an item of clothing in a tumble dryer. It was left, right, upside down, arm lock, you know, choke. I didn't even know how to tap. There was a lot of screaming and squelching. And, uh, you know, sitting on the sideline after my go, I was, you know, I had to look left and right. I was looking for the camera. You know, I was looking left thinking, how could they do that to me? Like, you know, I'm in my prime, young, fit, able to fight. And uh, let's just say it was a baptism. 
And uh, I never started to learn martial arts or the self-defense components of fighting until I went there. I can't say enough about that place. Um, did they mistake the uh, the Cockney swagger for a challenge match? Is that what they, they did? <laughs> Let's just say that foreigners were far and few in there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so yeah, it was it was crazy. I remember the first lesson that I took there was uh, Americana armlock um, from mount crossbody uh, and from close guard and from the back. You know, so for all positions, was blown away by it. And even more so blown away when they did it to me in live sparring. Yeah. You know what it's like. They, they you know, because they don't start on the knees. That doesn't happen. They take you down. They mount on top of you. Um, they do things like put their hands around your throat. So you go to grab, whoop, arm lock, you know. Um, or you try to push them off, arm lock. You roll out. They're on your back, you know. And, and I kid you not, there must have been, and hopefully not too many people will hear this. This kid must have been about 15 and um, he beat the crap out of me. <laughs> Brazilians aren't that big, you know? And meanwhile, you can see, like, Holker was there, Hoyler was there, uh, Hicks on, Hawks on, you know? And I could just hear sniggering, and like, we must have looked a sight, a sorry sight, you know? <laughs> Two weeks after that, I was back again. <laughs> I hung the gloves up, and I went, you know? I was back again, back and forward. And uh, it's been an amazing journey and uh, an amazing, I've met some amazing people. Some of my longest friends now are, well, they're all jujitsu. You know, sad as it is, they're all jujitsu guys. There's just something there. I don't know what it is. When, when you go and visit them now, where, where do you go? Do you go back to Brazil to see them? Or, or I mean, they've got schools all over the place. Yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, I'm very fond of, of Grace Almighty, you know, one, because it was the founding uh, place of what we know um of of gracie jiu-jitsu and where elio and carlos and the guys were so i'm very very humbled whenever i go there just because of um the lineage that we have that we're very proud of and uh, the the journey of where it came from it's it's like it would be the mecca for muslims if they go to say to say mecca on the, on the pilgrim it would be like that for me every time i return but now i find myself a lot in san diego Los Angeles, because what you find is um, Brazilians now have migrated into um, the US, into uh, Los Angeles and um, San Diego, where there's sun and water, so they can surf and it's hot. And, uh, and they do a really good job there, right? So I have some amazing, amazing friends there. Um, and then, yeah, it's incredible. So either you'll find me some of the time over there, most of the time traveling with the academies, uh, but my heart and my soul is with my students here in the UK. And I feel sad when I leave them because I go to a lot of schools and I see my students in those students with just a different face and body type, but the same energy, the same willingness to learn yeah. and the same kind of spirit, you know, that, that fighting spirit that we have. You said you uh, spent some time in America. Is that is, was that to kind of you know get access to the jujitsu? You know, no, fun, funny enough, I lived in. Uh, I spent some time in New York um, for a while living there. Um, uh, New Jersey is another place. Gracie, New Jersey. Uh, Professor David Adiv is one of the, the shining lights in, in my jujitsu journey. Um, I find it very, very. I find it much safer, taking nothing away from Brazil. Brazil's safe. 
I mean, if you've never been, you, you would know, you would know, but if you go, you, you know what I mean. Um, but America is where the Gracies are now migrated to. So I can remember going to Torrance, the original Gracie Academy. Uh, two years ago, I was at the old Gracie Academy before it closed down, um, the Green Mats, not the university. Uh, yeah. And then the next year we were at, um, or the same year, the same time, sorry, we went to the university here on in Henna School. And, you know, I've got a lot of uh, love for those guys. Um, you, if you've seen recently, Halleck, Halleck's in town, Halleck's been, whenever they come over that, you know, we hang, uh, it's that kind of relationship, Halleck's still in town and, and we've been hanging and, and training. And he's been, um, he's been, in, he's been assisting my jujitsu tapping ability. Let's just say that, you know, so, so yeah, it's kind of, I, I like to travel um, and I like to teach more than anything. I like to share and as cliche as it sounds, as it sounds, I'm forever a student and I will always be a student. I'm always open to learning something or different methods and, and ideas of, you know, because we're all individuals, you know, we're all um, different. And a lot of people have this idea that one glove fits all. It, it doesn't, you know, jujitsu, I call it, you know, uh, martial science jujitsu. That's how I refer to it because it's martial science. It's martial because of the combat uh, components to it. And, but the science behind it is, is very important for me when I'm, when I'm sparring with students and friends or training with them. Um, it's for me, it's an exchange of knowledge without speaking. It's, it's about, you know, just exchanging and, and being in that kind of situation where you can feel, you know, and, and that's where I get the most development for myself. Awesome, love it. You say you said you you uh, you had the, the logo. You said when you went over there, you were you were already representing the school. So were you a, were you a kickboxing school to begin with? No, 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 no. I just trained. I just um, grown up in the East End. As as you know, it, it it's quite. It was back then quite a tough uh, childhood. You know, growing up and in the East, the good old East End, where fisticuffs were fisticuffs, right? And uh, I'd had my fair share of. Of, of scraps and some I'd won, some I'd lost. Um, but I'd always wanted to get the edge over someone else, you know, and carrying a weapon for me was never, ever, uh, uh, never sat right with me. You know, you can remember the days of brass knuckles and sat, you know, the leather gloves with the lead in them and all of that. And that never, ever kind of, you know, sat well with me. So the next best thing was Queensbury rules with elbows, knees, low kicks, headbutts, and all the rest of that good stuff. Um, and not that I'm, I'm that kind of guy, because it didn't work out well for me when I met Jiu-Jitsu. And at that moment, I guess I was smart enough to understand that um, I need to know this, because, you know, this if is that happened to me mm. outside, yeah. that's going to be a wrap. You know? And when we have new students come in or students that, we have open. We used to have open day sparring where, where anyone could come in and we would train with them um, years back. And the look on their face of hot, sheer horror when you'd mount on top of them, that they couldn't get you off. And suddenly, you know, you're on their back strangling them. And, you know, they think it's, it's the end. That I must have looked a lot like that in the early days. You know? I still look like that most times I roll, to be honest, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, incredible times. That's all good fun. How brilliant. So we've got to kind of, I guess, address the elephant in the room, which is the, the virus and how, how are you keeping? Because I know you've got your online stuff, right? Right. So is that where you're kind of mainly working with your students with at the moment? Or how, how are you keeping sort of them, you, engaged and kind of positive with it? Okay, so 
I never like liked online learning, never. And I had conversations with Hiron and Hena. I've known those guys from, from kids, from young. You know, they're, they're a few more brothers as well. Um, Halen and, and uh, I, I know them from kids. And I had a, a conversation with them when it first happened. And I was like, and the family, you know, there was some, some dis disapprovement in the family. And I understand why, you know. But I also understand that times move, move on, you know, and we're in a digital era. And during this lockdown, I wanted to provide my students the, the guiding light that they could refer to um, and be able to go, you know what, I can learn there. I can do my visualization training. I can do my breathing training. I can do my yoga training. But how do I appeal to the masses? How do I have so many students in a, in a kind of global network where we could, we could meet the needs that they required um, and help them and keep us all together because a lot of schools have fallen apart. Some schools won't reopen. Some yeah. schools did not um, did not have the initiative that we had. Now, EKBJJ Online, uh, humble bragging by the way, but the, that program, the the student development program, is not a promotional tool at all. You cannot promote on it. It's a and I'm happy to give you guys an insight. Very welcome to have a look at it. Uh, give you guys a login. We don't have any secrets. Um, it's lesson based on the self-defense component as taught components as taught by Grandmaster Elio Gracie, and as taught with our foundation course, which is from blue to uh, from white to black belt, um, and our curriculum-based training system. In order to progress in our in our system, so all it is is myself and and I have some very legitimate black belts. Uh, what we do is when we're teaching these positions, we're not teaching them for like, this is how you learn it. If you've never seen that technique, we know you've never seen it due to the cards you sign in on, but you have access to it. So you get a working idea. Then you come into the group class and you learn that position. Then you can go back and review it. You, hence student development program. You can review, um, cannot graduate on it. It doesn't add to anything that you do. Then what we thought about was, we wanted to, to add other components. So I have things on that online thing like um, law enforcement training, specifically for the law enforcement guys I, I teach, um, the military training, so the sky marshals and all the rest of the, the packages that people, uh, normal civilians wouldn't have access to. So we could all network and keep in touch. Um, and then there's other things like, you know, hygiene. It's, it's, a, it's a very nice accumulation and we were in the process of, of doing this swapping everything to, to the online program and on march the 16th when our academy closed its doors thank god we got a affiliate academy in wales with a very unique individual called called john who's the uh, academy instructor there and his whole job is to build and manage websites and literally in two days we went live and we threw out we threw out a lifeline to our guys and they all grabbed onto it you know and through that network We've kept in touch. We keep updating and, and putting, you know, I have over two gigabytes of, of training and sparring and, and, and the curriculum-based stuff that we have that I haven't uploaded yet. You know, I have stuff mm -hmm. with uh, Grandmaster Elio Gracie, stuff with Euler Gracie, stuff with, with Hickson, with Kron, with, with, you know, all of the guys that I've ever encountered that I've been fortunate enough to learn from or, or allow to be filmed that we haven't put on there yet, you know? So I have a huge amount of, of material and during the lockdown, that's, that's been a valuable tool. Um, and of course, I'm very, very 
I'm very, very vocal on, on Instagram. You'll see, you know, um, I like to put stuff up. I like to share. Um, and, and that's just, just what we do, you know. And is uh, <clears throat> the students been, been active on that? I mean, are you, are you doing anything yeah, live or is it just accessing the material online? Are you doing any live sessions? Or? Yeah, we, we do a lot of, of the Zoom stuff, but we, what we didn't want to do was fall into let's train, let's get training going because some people, um, and this is where you have to care for everyone in accordance to their individual needs rather than as a collective, because some people live in a bedsit, some people rent a room. And you don't want to be putting mats out and depressing people. Yeah. So the biggest thing in self-defense is not the techniques. People think it's techniques. It's not techniques. It's the mindset. The mindset is important. Strong mind, you know, the ability to, to get the drop on someone quickly, to recognize a threat the, and not go to, you know, the art of fighting without fighting. People think, think it's a mystical thing. And it actually isn't. The art of fighting without fighting is seeing something, recognizing it's a threat, taking a, a position or a, or a defensive position or even an offensive position. And either of those positions could be making a tactical withdrawal, running away, walking away, changing the direction of travel, or having to hit it head on. But whatever happens, you know, it's the mindset that governs everything before the techniques. And that's what we do a lot of Zoom talks with. We talk about, you know, I do a lot of Q and A's with my students. Um, about strong body, strong mind. And when we talk about self-defense, because you and I, you guys especially coming from Master Pedro Sauer Association, who I hold in, in the highest regard, is one of the, the best exponents from Hickson, you know, to, to share. And uh, he's a true scientist of the art. But the big thing is, for me, is techniques will always be techniques. We can learn from watching YouTube. You don't have to, you can watch the UFC and learn a technique. The application of that technique with the timing, with the commitment, you know, with the vulnerability that we have, knowing our strengths and liabilities is very important. Mm -hmm. So mindset is everything. If we can generate and, and, and correct mindset, the techniques are the techniques. It's the mindset that changes everything. Mm -hmm. Because as martial artists, the last thing we want to be doing is grappling on the ground in, a, in an altercation outside. I don't know if you've ever been taught the five components of jiu-jitsu as, as taught by, by um, Grandmaster Elio Gracie, but ground grappling comes into the last component. The first component of, of Gracie jiu-jitsu, uh, traditional Gracie jiu-jitsu is striking, clinching, takedowns, throwing, and then finally ground grappling. What governs all of that is the mindset. And what goes below all of that is the weapons defense program. So, so those components, you know, we have to be able to strike, whether it's a preemptive strike. We saw in, we see Grandmaster Elio doing the neck chop and people laugh, but he's giving an idea of a preemptive strike. We've seen the pizau, you know, the sidekick, knee stomp, you know. And then if we like to go back to 1993, when, when, when most of us were exposed to the UFC, we didn't see Hoyes run in, jump guard and go to the ground. We saw Hoyes go in, Punch, kick, elbow, knee, punch in the groin, knee in the groin, take down, strike from the top, and then take people out with chokes or arm locks or both in, in, in accordance with, right? And, and that's the components there. That's what's, what's not being taught anymore. It's just ground grappling. And when people see that, they think, when we see jujitsu, they think, oh, these guys only wrestle on the floor. Nah, I don't want to learn that. And, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong because if you want to 
learn a sportive art, great, we can help you with that. But if, as a martial artist, if you truly want to learn, you know, I honestly believe Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is the most effective form of self-defense the world has ever seen. Not fighting art, but self-defense that the world has ever seen. It's been proven over and over. Um, and so, so yeah, going back to your point, excuse me, was, yeah, we condensed all of that into an online uh, student development program, which is updated daily. Um, and that's what we use to reach out to our students and, and keep us all uh, together. Um, so, so that's our way forward. Now, we know the government has said you cannot go back until July. Right, that's what they're saying, apparently. We said, no, we're gonna come back. We're coming back early, but we're taking all of the right precautions. I've been working with some doctors who are students who, who have been in, involved in the, in the fight with COVID, not just here, but in Spain. And they've given me some very, very good ideas. I have a solution in a bottle which is being tested now, which they believe is, uh, can, can minimize the strain of COVID in the air. If you spray this thing in the air, like a mist sprayer, um, um, Master Pedro Valenta uses this in, uh, in, in Gracie, in, in Valenta, in Gracie, Miami. And, you know, through good knowledge. And this is, this is important for us as students of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. We can never forget that. Students of not Jiu-Jitsu, but Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And, and it's, it's really, really important. People forgot, we've forgotten, you know. But we're one big family. Whether you're Pedro Sauer, whether you're Hickson, whether you're Kron, whether, you know, Helson. We're no different. If you, we're all the same. We learn the same. The teachings are from the same masters, right? But people want to be the best. They want to be like, yeah, I'm the best because, yeah. And we're not that. It was never that. You guys are welcome in my academy anytime you like. The same as any other representative of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And we're only going to share and learn. That's it. We're not going to try and take clumps out of each other. We, we could do that any day. But the idea is to share and bring us back together. That's the idea. One flag, you know. Um, so we're, we're up to episode 13 now, Eddie. Wow. One, one through 12 were places that were kind of like America, Hawaii, Australia. Amazing. Actually, we might have a school that's easy for us to come and visit and access. <laughs> You're very welcome. Try, try and keep us away. <laughs> we, we, listen, we would love to, it's not that far. We would love to have you guys um, as extended family. I mean, I've spoken with Robin before and I explained about the one flag thing like yeah. a year or so. And because so many schools now are fighting for bricks of a building they don't even own. They're fighting for a place on a map they don't even own. And it, we're losing the history and the heritage with so many stories and so many misconceptions of who were the founders, who was this, who was that. And it's not their fault. They're not teaching self-defense. Maybe they don't know it. You know, maybe they don't know. Maybe they were never taught themselves. The thing that bugs me the most, there's two things that bug me in jujitsu. One is that when, when someone claims, and I'm not re referencing anyone before people jump out of their seat, not referencing anyone, but when people, um, you know, this is self-defense, this is jujitsu, and then there's rap grappling on the ground. And, and they're mis-selling that product. And the second one is, you've been sportive jujitsu your whole term, and now you Gracie jujitsu, now you're self-defense, because you watched the old man online teaching a program, because you hung out with Hoist for a day, because you were with Hoyler for one day, because you went to Valente's for one day, because you went to Helson for a day screw you you know 
yeah. from day one. Do your history from day one. We have and will always be Gracie Jiu-Jitsu self-defense. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, and that, that's it's important. The big, I it's the big standout, isn't it, between like a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school and, and most schools is that there's always an element of stand-up in, 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 a, in a Gracie school. For sure, for sure. Everything from standing, right? And do, do you do that in every one of your classes, Eddie? Does, do your classes always have a, a stand-up element? You know, no, like, you know. no, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't. And, and I'll, give you, I'll give you the reason why. Hmm. I, initially, we always did. And we had small school. We had a small number of people. We had a big space. Hmm. Now we yeah. have a big number and a smaller space because the numbers are bigger. Yeah. I don't want to injure my students. But what we do is we say on this day, three times a week, we have striking and clinching only, or we have striking, clinching, takedowns only. Yeah. Right? Then on the next day, sparring is, and we dictate the sparring, it would be this. And then we have free sparring where the guys can come in and invest. Now, remember, I do have com com competitors in my gym. Yeah. And I'm all for that. I don't want anyone to think I'm against that because I'm not. But imagine I came out of the woodwork and said after from 2002 of teaching Gracie Jiu-Jitsu self-defense and said, okay, guys, if you want to be a world champion, come and learn from me. People would look at me like, yeah, right. Are you nuts? Like half my students would leave. And, and that's the reality of it, you know, and, and I try and be, and I also, you know, I, I don't want to turn my school into like, uh, again, not this in nobody, but these mystical martial arts. I can't tell you or, or show you because I'll kill you. Right? How often can I do this dim, dim mock in the air, but not do it on no one and not know what it is? And I'll tell you a funny story. I taught a seminar one time in Romania. with a It was like a rotational seminar with different instructors. And the yeah. guy was talking about this stuff. And I heard it and I said, said to, to my friend, what, what's that guy teaching? And he said, oh, it's like Borshido. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, like, if he touches you, your heart will explode. I said, come, let's go talk to this guy. So I did <laughs> politely. I took him to the side after he, he did what he did and just said, listen, I'm really intrigued by that. I've been hearing about this my whole life from a kid. Remember, I grew up with Kung Fu matinees in, in the cinemas, you know, when you would go there and some of the guys would be wearing silk suits on a Sunday, yeah. right? The headbands. I remember them times, right? I'm giving my age away a little bit, but... Um, yeah, and I, I asked the guy, can you show me? And his exact words were, if I show you, you may die. And I said, listen, I'm ready to take that. <laughs> I need Let's to know the secrets. I need to know. Up, right? Because if it works, everything I've known, I'll, I'll give up. And But he wouldn't show. Mm. Um, so, and, and listen, I'm not knocking no one. You, you know, we, we're in a different era now where the error is, show me. What, what move did you show him? No, he didn't come. He didn't come see what we were doing. He he was like, nah. He was like, really, nah. I'll give that one a big miss. You know? <laughs> Just start with a nice, simple wrist grab. Right, but but exactly that. But but with that said, um, I have met some amazing martial artists. From I have a guy who trains with me, Nishan, who is from a kung fu background, uh, a black belt in kung fu, is, is an advocate of, of kung fu, but he's also a black belt in jujitsu. Um, under a, a dear friend of mine, Alan Sikera, but he doesn't call it Kong Jitsu. Yeah. It's, uh, it's different, right? Yeah. It's different and it can't be the same. Biomechanically, it cannot be the same. I'm not saying like 
they, they do they meet somewhere in the middle? Maybe, maybe they could land a telling blow somewhere in the middle. But we have a, a system of self-defense that has been proving itself since prior to Grandmaster Leo Gracie. You know, we had George Gracie, he would fight. We had Gaston Gracie. You know, we had all of the early Gracies that were fighting. And granted, some of the fights were in fairgrounds, you know, and against wrestlers and stuff. But when Grandmaster Elio came along, it was like anyone and everyone to the point where he fought his own student, Valdemir Santana, right? We saw that, right? So that's impressive that the head instructor, Grandmaster Elio, would fight a student and the student would ultimately go on to defeat the master, right? Because he'd been taught so well, not because he was better. Remember he was in his prime, but because he truly understood jujitsu and he knew how to neutralize what the old man was, right? So it was a, it was a that's really important. I always say to my students that I want to make them better than I was at blue belt, better than I was at purple belt you know, better than I was a crown belt and black belt. And uh, I way, really mean that. The, the ultimate, you know, goal is, you know, to the master of the night. You know, you, wanna, you want your students to be able to get you. Absolutely. How else can I stay sharp? Yeah. How else can I stay sharp? Right? I'm training, I'm, I'm preparing the next generation to take me out, which means they're going to be younger, fitter, more athletic, and I'm able to fight with them every day, right? We fight every day. We don't need to fight outside, but if we do, we do, you know? And uh, the mindset is important. And if we're talking about self-defense, a component of self-defense, of course, is now in the COVID times, health defense. Health defense, how our hygiene, what we eat, what we let manifest in our brain, what thoughts we let manifest, our, you know, not to become depressive, you know, it's very important. These are all components of self-defense. And if, if we don't know those components, what are we do and how can we then instruct our students to understand and, and build that resilience, you know? Rand, random question, Eddie. I, I have asked this one before, um, but you've mentioned hygiene a couple of times. I'm always fascinated to get different people's views on washing your belts. Um, you know, some people think that you lose your magic powers when you, uh, when you, if, you don't, if you wash your belt. What's your advice to students all over the world? Yeah, listen, I'll be honest with you. I never wash my belts. Okay. Really? Um, sincerely. Okay, for high, and, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. I have about 10 black belts of my own. Yeah. I have about 10 of them, and I put them on rotation, and I air the other ones, so I don't wash them. And if you know about bacteria and stuff like that, and it dies, you know, it's not kind of, you, if you, if I pick a belt up and it smells, yep, for sure, that belt's going in the bin or, you know, it's, I'm not going to wear that belt. Yeah. But the only belt I haven't worn in a very, I only wear on promotional times is my original black belt. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I have about 10 other belts that I wear all of the time. What did you do with your earlier belts? You know, because people take pride in them getting like really tatty. Rob, Rob sandpapers his most nights just to make it look more worn out. <laughs> Light behind the car and drive around with it. Yeah. I um, listen. I, I I have them in the academy. Yeah. Um. They they remind their reference point of my journey. Yeah. Uh, the belt the belt is a belt. You know, even if I went on the mat as a white belt with no belt, 
I yeah. locked myself out of my office sometime and had to teach a seminar with a white belt. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I came in, sat on the mat. No one knew who I was. This was a seminar, right? I sat on the mat. People were there, crowds, no one knew. And then when it was time to teach, I stood up and everyone was looking like, who the hell is this white belt? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so, you know, and another funny one, I'll tell you, me and Hoyce were out in your neck of the woods teaching uh, Essex police and uh, in Colchester. And uh, we came in and Hoyce was getting changed and I came into the hall early. So first one, we arrived together, I went in to get changed. They gave me a round of applause, you know, like um, I'd never seen Hoyce before. They thought you were here. gave me a round of applause. You know, a freshly new black belt. I walked in, put my bag down, looked left and right. Everyone's applauding. And uh, the guy over there was a guy called uh, Simon Driver. He, he's the instructor. He came over and he was like, never met him, only for emails. He was like, Hoyce so good to have you and i was like when i spoke he was like oh. i was like no 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 he's he's coming out so a bigger round of applause for, for hoist when he comes out you know so <laughs> all my facts yeah let's just test that one out let's let's see how that works right hmm. so how about you guys yeah. with the self-defense right from yeah. master pedro is yeah. it paramount for you guys the curriculum yeah yeah, yeah definitely and it's funny when you're talking about it, we were doing a kids class on zoom the other night and we were trying to get them to understand the the how it translates from when they're doing some of the punch block stuff to how they're doing the punch block stuff when they're in someone's guard on the you know mm. so the, the difference with the standing and the ground right okay mm. yeah and we were doing yeah we do we call it for the kids like we say look your swans put your swans on mm -hmm. you know, and they're catching the punch and we're saying look what else and they were great weren't they because as soon as i said right who can tell me what other position you see this exact thing where swans, head on the chest, where do you see it? And they straight away, they were like, oh, that's from guard. That's when I'm in someone's guard and I'm trying to stop them punching me when I'm inside their guard. That's the makings of, a, of good teachers, right? I was like, whoa. <laughs> they were so quick on yeah. it as well, weren't they? Yeah. Remember, yeah, us was... as teachers, and I'm sure that's what you guys you guys are, we, it's, we're duty-bound to teach right. Like... The most frustrating thing for me is someone's getting it wrong. And I always say this to, to my students. If you have color on your belt or stripes on your belt, you're obligated to teach those who ask questions of you. So if someone comes to you and says, listen, I'm a white belt, brand new. Can you help me out to tie the belt? And you say no, get off the mat. Yeah, we, have we have an onus, right? We're given that. Every belt we earn and every stripe we earn is not me but the people that train with me, the people that help me get to that point, I'm in onus to them. And the further down the line we go from white to black belt, each person, I mean, I'm looking at the, at the group here, each person to their right must assist the person to their, to their right, to their left, right? So, so they're in onus of them. And if I ever saw anyone not help or, or, or get out of the way of helping someone, I would be annoyed. We have new people come on and we have a system where people come in, how we greet them, how we talk to them. If you look at all of our pictures, there's no ugly faces. We're always smiling and happy. And, and that's what we want to portray. You know, you don't have to be, look like Valid Ishmael to have students come in, in the academy, right? You have no, to be broken nose so, and bent ears. So important, you know, something you know, for, for somebody that, you know, maybe never done a martial art before and they turn up for their first ever lesson, you know, I can't imagine the the the, the, the exactly. level that their heart is like pumping at, and and right. and then if you walk into a scary room, that would just make it worse. <laughs> just remember the first time you you guys went in. That's how I always replace myself. When I went in for the first time, and I saw these 
these other humans wearing angry white pajamas running around, you know, sliding on the ground. Imagine, like people go to their first class, imagine, and the first thing they learn is the Berimbolo. It's not I'm applicable, not, I'm not dissing yeah. nobody, right? I'm not dissing, because I've been caught with that move. I'm not dissing nobody. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm Things saying, as, right, as a, as a general introduction to jujitsu, you cannot walk into a class and they're upside down guard or something, right? I have a very good women instructor in my academy who's a blue belt and she's amazing. You know, she's from Czech Republic and I'm sure she will go and open a school there. I'm sure. And she is something else with the women, right? And she's a, she's a warrior too. She can fight. There's make no, no doubt about that, right? And I have a beginner class instructor, a guy called Dan. Um, big guy, like you see this, like a six foot seven tall guy, you know, strapping guy. And you think, and it, I was so proud. Like I, I go into the academy. Some of the students have never seen me before in the beginner class. Mm -hmm. I try to go as often as I can, but I'm so busy. And I walk in and, and them looking at me is like Bigfoot riding a unicorn. That's what they look at. They, they see me see me walk in. It's like a <laughs> mythical character, right? Because I really don't have the time to go there. But when I go there, they look at me like, oh, oh my God, it's Bigfoot riding a unicorn. And uh, so he's, he, he now has like 20, 30 students per class in a beginner class. And they do a course of 12 weeks. Um, and after 12 weeks, they have an option to then come into the advanced class, the group class. They don't have to. They can stay in a beginner group, you know. And so we, we, we've set up a very, very structured and very, very um, unique approach to, to having students to make them feel comfortable. From the time they walk in the academy, and we greet them. Hi, I'm Eddie Cohn. Welcome to the academy. You trained before. Why are you here? You know, the usual stuff. And we give them the kimono to wear fresh kimono instructor smells fresh and clean you know the worst thing is everything clean in the academy and the instructor ate an onion sandwich beforehand <laughs> the student receptive doesn't pick that one up doesn't yeah. pick up how clean the environment is how friendly man goddamn instructor's breath stank you know like he ain't coming back she ain't coming back so how we outwardly portray ourselves, you know um clean shaven, you know, all of that stuff is really, really how we smell good, you know, and, and this is part of our teaching program. We have a teacher's program that we teach our, our teachers, you know, about retaining students, having our parents involved, having our parents as a democracy have a say on the mat, what they like to see, what, what is the end result of the children as you were talking about, um, you know, to, so that they, they become not only warrior mindset you know not only able to defend themselves and others their moral standpoint but they're able to be a pillar of society that it's okay to say no that's not okay you know no you're not doing that you're not bullying this guy no that's not acceptable you know i don't like the way you spoke to me i don't like the way you spoke to them yeah, yeah. right that we that that we can at any time you know have a cape that no one sees and a superpower and we go hey that's not cool and if we have to deal with that, then we have to deal with that. And the beautiful thing, you all know, I'm preaching to the already converted. We don't have to hit nobody. No. You we can don't have nice. to hit anyone. Right? We, we can. And we can do it quite proficiently. But, you know, someone, I, someone said to me, listen, yeah, but in a fight, I'm going to be punching and kicking and biting and gouging. And I said, that's great. 
The only difference is I will be doing exactly the same, but I'm going to tie your arms up in a position where you cannot defend and I'm going to let you see me take a chunk out of your face with my teeth or out of your nose, right? And, and that's the difference. And as brutal as that sounds, that's yeah. the extreme of jujitsu. Yeah. And if we go yeah. take it all the way down scale. Yeah. It's very humbling, isn't it? Very humbling. Of course it is. You know? So you said you're always a student. You still have that student mindset. 100%. I mean, what's, um, what, what are you learning at the moment with jiu-jitsu? What, what, what area are you focused on? For me, it's self-development. It's development of being the right guiding light, as Hoyler was for me, as Grandmaster Elio was for me, because I was very fortunate enough to train in the academy when he was there and, and share some mat time with him. Um, and, and always be the instructor that the students want to gravitate towards. I could never be a roadman. I'm not, a road, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't wear right with me. Yeah. I could never be an aggressive, aggressive guy. I'm five foot seven tall, you know, not, 10 and a half stone soaking wet. I, I'm not that guy. Yeah. I don't like the use of profanities because I know I have a lot of support on social media. It goes against everything I, I, I try to portray. And I'm a real guy. I, I, you know, listen, there's going to be times when I have a bad day. But, you know, profanity is bad language. So I'm, I'm always self-developing, self-analyzing um, yeah. what I do, you know, and trying yeah. to do it for the right reasons, not because someone says you're wearing a black belt, you have to be like that. That's fake too. You know, yeah. um, I, I try not to get embroiled in battles, internet beefs, and you, you know, because listen, if you really feel so strongly about that that point and that opinion, my door's always open. You know where I am. Let's have a chat. You know, come my office doors open. I have one of the biggest mattresses in the city, uh, the grey mats. Always welcome. You know. Yeah. Do you feel that like? How do you feel about it? Do you feel like that weight from having such great teachers? Do you feel that sort of weight of responsibility of trying to be, trying to live up to that? Or like you were saying with your students, you want them to excel. So do you feel that sort of wanting to excel and take it on again? And how, how do you kind of work with that? A lot of people have this, um, this idol worshipping thing. You know, they're like, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm personal friends with these people. We've been through, through some stuff. And don't get me wrong, whenever I see Hoyler, of course, I'm like, I am so privileged or honoured to have learned. You know, I could have chose any instructor in the world. I just happen to choose the best. That's what I believe, you know. Um, anyone who talks of Hoyler, they, they only talk like that, you know. Hickson as well. Uh, a lot of people are unaware. Hoyler is one of the greatest teachers, influences in Hickson's careers, you know, through Pride and stuff like that, after Hollish and... Elio and, and those guys, he's one of the most... Master Sauer. Master Sauer always says the best things about Hoyler, right? Yeah. They all do. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is... Have you guys ever trained with him or been in the presence? Every time you've had him in the last few years, we've been in Iceland with Master Sauer. Because you normally right. go up to June, right? Right, right. Around, yeah. We're in Iceland. Yeah, he, he's an incredible individual. As in, if you want it told how it is, and I like that with people. There's no, you know, and, and all of the guys around him are like that. And it's, I don't idol worship, but I'm very privileged and honored, you know, to be 
to have been taught and trained by little Elio, you know, by the most technical Gracie of the family that Hickson himself refers to as one of the greats of, of all time, um, the Gracie family members, you know. Um, yeah. and, and they're all great, you know, and their students are all great, you know, Master Sauer, uh, you know, unbelievable, unbelievable. You, you, see, you see a technique and then he'll put a different slant on it and you're like, okay, well, that's a game changer, right? <laughs> Every time. And of course. But that's the evolution of what we do. Now, we, we can't, we can't, um, we can't say it doesn't evolve. But what we can say is, if you don't know the basics, how can you evolve something? Yeah. Right. Truly don't know the base, but truly don't know them. Not just how they work, how we can depict them and break them down, how we can disseminate them. How we can, like for me, I do this thing where I'll go teach a class. After the class, I'll come back and write down all of the bits, the intricacies of that class, what I remembered, what I did. And if there's one component that I refer to my original notes from, which is missing, the next class I go back and I tell them, listen, I forgot to show you this. And, and this is a valid, you know, and it's really important because that's another way of developing for me as a, as a teacher. Um, and as you guys, as teachers, you know, because if you truly want the best, for your students and your school, that's the way forward. It's the only way. And do you, do you give those, um, you know, all of those details every class, or do you? Know, no, you no, know? no, no. It's because there's this. There can be so many different details to the different moves, right? It's like we, we how do you year on which, the move. Yeah, which which focus do you give to, you know, each time you go around? You know, just with the upper, you know, right? Track and roll. Yeah. How many different yeah. ways, you know, and how many different is, points? Is, you is your, make? Bill, is your your upa for people maybe who's not know what that is, is the trap and roll. You may know it as that or the mm -hmm. bridge and roll, which I don't like. But, you know, if you if you know um, the upa, as we call it, from the mount position, would your one have to change a little bit in comparison to, say, Robbins or um, anyone else in the academy? Or is it it's all the same all the way across? No, I think... Um... I think that you know the technique would be would be described the same you know for everybody to look at, but then I think you know different body sizes, different shapes, different kind of physical abilities. You know, maybe somebody's carrying an injury, you might have to tweak things in order to to kind of make it work. I think what was going through my mind, Eddie, is just you know like when you start out learning the UPA, it's it's you know secure the arm, secure the leg on the same side, bridge, roll. You know, look the way you're rolling, tuck the shoulder. But then, you know, a year later, and I'm sure those things were told to me at the very, very beginning, but, you know, th there'll be extra bits that I'm, I'm I'm hearing, you know, a year later. They'll be... Become more tuned into stuff. Yeah. I'm still looking at that move now, eight years into my journey, and I'm still... It's like my favourite move, to be honest with you. Um, being on my back under mount and trying to work my way out of that place is, is my, my idea of, of <laughs> jiu-jitsu heaven. I know that feeling. I know that well. <laughs> and the more, the more kind of like efficient I can make that move. So I play now sometimes, and I try and get out of there with no no arms. So how can I how can I bait them to to you know put an arm under my head right now? I want to keep that arm and keep my hands free, but you know keep that arm and, and trap the leg and roll and yeah, it's you know. Yeah, I, well, it never ends for me. I just always want to keep refining that, making that, that move just better and better and better.
What about you, Robin? You find that it's the same all across, or do you find some students have to mod? If you don't understand, like um, like we were just saying, some people we have a, a basic structure, right? Upa is Upa, no matter what way you look at it. Mechanically, yeah. it works. It's the same. There is some variation: head hugging, under the arm, maybe someone tries to punch, whatever it is. Upa is Upa, right? But if you rolled with a guy, say one thirty. Heavy guy, would your upa change to a regular upa, or would the weight distribution, the balance, and everything else be the same? For me personally, it changes. Yeah. It has yeah. to change. And like, I think like like Bill said, it's it's the weight, the amount of pressure, the distribution of their balance, because yeah. we start off not knowing base and balance, and the yeah. opportunity of disengagement. And then we move into training with skilled opponents, like the blue belt who can put the hooks in, the blue belt who can cross the feet, the blue belt yeah. who puts the feet on the hips, the blue belt yeah. who, you, you know, so all of these, right. So, so all of these components, they modify the upa. They, they make that modification of upa. I think it's like a funnel, isn't it, almost? It's like when you get down to the very point of the funnel, it's almost the same move, but it's how you make the person get there. You know, yeah, like that. Uh, sure. So the, old, so the old man used to say this in the class. Is the same uh, beginning, the same start point. Yeah. The same middle, because we're, yeah. we're battling for position. Uh, and the end result is always the same. So it's the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and some, some information for you, UPA, when we see this UPA, do you, you know what that actually translates to, UPA? You know the meaning of UPA? Okay. Yeah. So UPA is kids in Brazil would sit on parents' lap on the knee and they would right. say UPA, 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 and the kid would bounce. Yeah, yeah. Right? So so that's literally what that where that came from, UPA. And, um, you know, trap and roll was, was modified, you know, over the years. Um, when I trained there, for example, there was no names for the arm lock. Everything was shabby brush arm lock arm lock so you'd have to know the sequence of moves you wouldn't know you know eddie bravo labeled everything and then other people start to label stuff and then people is new is there's no new moves there's modified look at the basic position and this is what we we're talking about there's a basic structure the modifications added to that are different granted but the end result is the same yeah the end result is a kimura no matter how you get there you know, no matter how it happens, no matter how you get it, it's the same result. The setup may be different. The entry yeah. may be different. It's the same move. You cannot say you invented that move, you know. You've modified some part of it. You found it again. Right. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, it's, it's important that, you know, and, and this is what keeping that con consistency and continuity and understanding where we are in jiu-jitsu. You know, I know absolutely where I am and where I'm going, where I've been, where I've come from. I don't need to be sport jujitsu today, you know, Krav Maga tomorrow, this and that, mix this up and something. I don't need to do that. Listen, if you're a true Gracie jujitsu school, that's what you are. You can make no ifs or buts. You don't have Gracie jujitsu here and on the back Kung Fu, Krav Maga, wrestling. No, because you don't need that. If you fight a wrestler, what do we know about wrestlers? Well, they have amazing takedowns. They have some nasty neck cranks. 
you know, depending on the style of wrestling, they can pin the hell out of you. They hold you there for nine minutes and you, it's a wrap, right? But what we do know is during the takedown, during the instance when a takedown happens, how are we landing? How are we falling? What position can we make happen just from the takedown? Can, can the takedown happen where I guard him, where I put him in the closed guard? Can the takedown happen where we land in the half guard? Can the takedown happen where perhaps I fall in a position that he tries to adjust that arm lock or triangle? So we don't hit the ground and jostle position. We're thinking about positions on our way down. That's like a master sale with his, uh, you know, the principle of yielding to win. You know, almost, you almost go a bit early so you can get to the better place. Right, right. You know, then. And, and it goes back to this was developed by a man Developed, not created, right? There's a difference in words, a play on words. Developed by a man who wasn't athletic, who wasn't fit, he wasn't fast, he wasn't strong, but beat the crap out of all comers. <laughs> right? And I, there's some great pictures on my Instagram and Facebook of me with the old man, and, and I'm small, and I'm bigger than him. Wow. I took my last lesson from him two weeks before he passed away in Spain. You know, before he went to, I think he left and went back to the Valente brothers in, in Brazil. And uh, I took my last lesson from him there. And um, yeah, incredible. Even at that age, you know, I remember him being 95 for like four or five years, whenever I'd ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny, right? <laughs> and I, I last saw him at Hobbins Academy, Hobbins Gracie yeah. in, in Barcelona. Hobbins, uh, a great guy, you know, and uh, Hoist called me up and said, uh, where are you? And I said, I'm in, in Barcelona. He goes, great, my father's there, go down, see him. And Hoist had just left Hobbins in Barcelona and I'd just flown in and I was late to see Hoist because wherever they are, I know they holiday a lot there. So I would go and see, see Hoyce and, and Hobbin and um, at Gracie Barcelona. And what, what, um, what an amazing, um, exciting experience. You land, call Hoyce. Hoyce is like, where are you? I'm like, Barcelona. He's like, my father's in town. Go check on the old man. Go see him. Go take a class. And uh, yeah, went down there, took the class, you know, and uh, took a class of him teaching. Unbelievable, you know, so... Um, very, that's one of my proudest moments, and I have that picture on the wall in the academy. The last picture I had with him is time dated and stamped. So, um, you know, from when you print out the picture, incredible, incredible. Great memories. Yeah, we always think, you know, like these these individuals will be around forever, like Master Sauer and um, Hoyler, and and you know, now I, I look at Hoyler and I see in his later years he now wears glasses and. You know, he's he talks to me very differently to 20 years ago when he was fighting. You know, I can remember him preparing to go out and fight Genki Sudo. Um, you know, I can remember that how the tenacity he fought at, and not so long ago, um, when he collided with Eddie Bravo again, you know, at his age, you know, and phew, unbelievable. He trains like he's still 20 years old and never shy away from it, do they? N never afraid. You know, and 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 I don't I don't think that's just the you know, the way that they brought up. They obviously believe wholeheartedly in their in their art, which you know comes through. And you know, people like yourself that have done it for so long, it, it speaks for itself. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not just me. Listen, I'm a drop in the ocean. There are some amazing people. Um, you guys yourself, you know, with the correct art, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Because the idea was it doesn't change and it doesn't die. The yeah. art, I mean. The, the yeah. art form. We're all torchbearers and flag bearers for this incredible art. And why did we choose that art? You know, who knows why we decided to pick the flag up and we, we all have the crests on us at some point, you know, yeah. of, of, of the art. And, and why are we flag bearers? And what do we ultimately want to accomplish? You know, um, and my mission right now is, is to, to share and to teach and to preserve and, and, and properly. And, you know, as properly as, proper, properly as I can with the right instructors around me. Not just the man of, who knew the guy who mowed the lawn and was the friend of the guy down the road who learned off the. No, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that. And I, I definitely am not, you know, learning from the guys who came from a sportive background. And one year later, all of a sudden, they're Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Were, were you like that with your, um, with your kickboxing, Eddie? Or is it something that you kind of realized since you fell into, you know, association with the, with the Gracies? Like I said, I had a baptism of fire. You have to remember my Thai boxing background. I like putting fists in face and I like having fists in face. You know, I enjoyed that shins in the head and all that business, you know. Um, but you, when you're humbled by someone smaller than you, there's something there. Like spiritually, there's something there. It does something to you. I could have come back and not said a word for, you know, I could have walked out the academy in Brazil, Botafogo, Gracie Almighty, and looked left and right, kept it moving, come back and told the world how great I was, right? I could have done that, but I went, I went back to the hotel that night in the dark, turned the lights off, and I was licking my wounds, like, like what happened? <laughs> I did sleep. It didn't resonate well with me. And uh, when I came back, it bugged me so bad. And I remember trying to research these guys, and I couldn't find anything, and I remember thinking it was gray like the color and then sea like the ocean, gray sea. Yeah. And I remember Shed Morales came to London. I don't know if you guys have been around long enough to know that guy. It was at London Bridge, he had a little studio there and he was teaching Gracie Jiu Jitsu. So I went down there and when I came to the door, there was a little paper thing on the door that said, crazy Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> And I went in and I knew for sure that wasn't what I was going to learn. And then I went around a couple of Japanese martial arts gyms who said it was the same thing and it definitely wasn't. And then I obviously went out and began to really search it. And I'm very kind of in touch with the spiritual aspects of it. And people say, oh, like the guru, not guru. There's no gurus here, but there is definitely something spiritual about it. If you, if you look at when people practice on the mat, some people refer as rolling, but if you look at when they're practicing this art, they start to ground fight or ground grapple and they gravitate towards each other, even on the biggest mats. It's like a pure energy. Gravity. <laughs> huh? Gravity. Yeah, it's like a gravitational pull. Yeah. Listen, as an instructor, I sit and I watch, I stand back and I watch the whole class for Satan for other reasons. You know, I'm always, if I see something, I stop and then I say, listen, you could have done this or this would be more efficient or effective after they finish. I make a note to give the students something to work on. And eight guys on a massive mat like ours, and suddenly they gravitate towards each other. And then they're all on each other, and it's like, come on, like, we'll separate again, and it's the same thing. There's something there. I don't know what it is. Can't label it, can't list it. 
but is real. <laughs> this is, like you were saying about the that your experience, and obviously you had um, yeah, real baptism of fire in that, <laughs> in that place. But like, it's it's that story that you hear all the time, isn't it? And and yeah. kind of I've got a little mini version of the same thing, and you know where you know I was like, whoa, okay, I got to learn this. I can't not learn this. Who done that to you, Robin? No, Dan Bazotta. Oh, I know Dan very well. <laughs> yeah, I know Dan. Yeah, Southend yeah. well, uh, Fight Club, right? So, yeah. yeah. So I was, same, same. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was yeah. you know, tie boxing and kickboxing and stuff, and went down there to help a friend who was getting ready to fight for Dan to be another kickboxing body, and you know, playing it, and then got to roll with you know, it was the MMA class. So I got to roll with Dan on my first night, which was you know very nice of him. And yeah, just he's a monster, that guy. Yeah. Everywhere, it just, I was like, oh, God. And I was, a, what was, I, was I a judo brown belt by then? So I was like, I must be able to be okay. At least I'll be okay. No. It's different. It's different. Yeah, then he came back to me. Yeah. People don't get that. They look at it and go, that's nothing. When you feel, listen, when you feel, I come from Cuban heritage. If we didn't hear, we felt. Yeah. that's what our parents would do right if you don't listen to what they're saying you feel and it's usually like the backhand right <laughs> so I'm very accustomed to feeling stuff so when I felt that jujitsu I was like yeah I get it okay this this works no right say say again Robin the feel is to know yes for sure so so you guys teach the self-defense curriculum you have a curriculum yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, well supported by um, obviously, Master Sales kind of obviously they've done you know you're, what you're saying about yours. That's why I was really interested. It's very similar um, to the way Master Sales done it. So he's got they've got the online support rather than to teach everything. And then um, yeah, he's got his curriculum from uh, white to blue. And then he's got sort of the blue oh I've gone dark blue belt and beyond um, stuff. And then. Um, Put 50p in that meter, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah, my light's gone. If I put my big light on, it just flares off my head. <laughs> so I've got to put a battery in another light. Like He's bending down to put 50p in the meter. He's got them loaded yeah. up on the side. No one I'm ready. See. I'm ready to go. Bring <laughs> thing and put it back out. Yeah. And he's off. Look, there we go. I'll go for the expensive one. So That's the one. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got all... with you, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. We've got the big light on. Yeah. We've got the, um, so we've got the curriculum and then, um, yeah, he's you know, still working off the master text for the self-defense curriculum. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's good. And it's great for schools like us, like you've got your guys abroad. Obviously we're kind of the, the guys, we are there. We're, yeah, we're the equivalent of the guys that are abroad because right. the office is in, you know, is in Washington and stuff. So yeah, we're the, we're the sort of- How uh, often do you get to see Pedro? How often do you get to, to share and, and feel? Once or twice. Yeah. twice a year once or twice oh that's good that's cool yeah, yeah. Go to we... every year but obviously this year it got cancelled right no fight anywhere um and then occasionally he was in glasgow last year and the year before is that with scott mcveigh yeah that's it yeah yeah for the racing cup i went in i went in 2018 2019 we had lewis Heredia here so like, we had someone lewis the same guy too that's his site, number two guy right such a good guy he's yeah. awesome yeah, he's great. See, this is what I'm saying. When when you're in good company from 
what I would consider to be the pinnacles of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. These guys are there, you know. These guys learned the way it should be done, you know. Um, and, and it's so important for you guys, you know. It's so important. And, and this was that one flag mentality. We're not yeah. different. We're not different. It's the same team. Pedro Sauer fought for the Gracies. He fought, you know, the big bodybuilder guy. He fought many fights, right? Got enough pins in his neck to prove it. Right. And, and whenever I've been to his seminars, Eddie, he always talks, you know, like your experience of, of being there in Brazil and, and that, you know, that, that teenager, you know, yeah, you. yeah. Pet, uh, Master Sauer, he always um, talks about his first experience of going along to the Gracie, Gracie Academy. And, uh, and it was a nine year old Hoyler that, that did that to a 15, 16 year old, uh, you know, Pedro. Pedro. Right. Um, and yeah, and, and he was like, I need to know this. Yeah, <laughs> way home he said he was on the bus on the way home like this like looking at people going who else knows this stuff yeah 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 no that, that's the awakening you have yeah i saw it i heard it called the other day it's almost like um it's like gracie jiu-jitsu is like the pin that pricks the balloon of ego for sure for sure 100 <laughs> you know it's it is the gray elephant in the room yeah. and and the best thing about it is you can you can do this to someone not harm them with a big smile on your face and that's not for ego, but it's very difficult for them to get mad at you if you do it with a smile on your face. And you pat them down after and say, hey, you know, it's okay. You know, and I've seen big men walk out of the academy and they look back very sheepishly like, you know, Jesus Christ, like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I have some, listen, we have some monsters in our gym. They're, and I'm sure you do. They're alive and well, they live there, right? So it's not those guys I'm worried about. It's the little guy in the corner clipping his nails or something, you know, the guy with the little <laughs> spectacles who comes in, the, the most unassuming guy, and you think you would be a nightmare for someone if they <laughs> if they tried it with you, you know? And uh, yes, it's, in, it's incredible times, but it's really refreshing as well to hear that you guys have a curriculum base that, that you can... Oh, 100%. Yeah. We've got like a, like a, like you, not the same as you, because we don't have quite the, the scope to do as many, but we have like a fundamentals program that just loops right. around and around. And right. then we've got the blue belt and above classes as well, where we, sort of, we still have a loop, but it's a different loop. I get it. I get it. So I, I saw Pedro teamed up with Henner and Huron at one time. Is that still the case? They still... It's, it's, not, it, it's not exact, but it's like it's... Like Professor has... Uh, the Master Sauer has the, fund, like the combatives at his school. Right. But he'd also teach his own fundamentals as well. So we kind of, you know... Yeah, because he would, he would have come from the what I would consider as the original school of... Gracie Jiu, like under the turtledge of, of Elio, perhaps even Carlos, maybe, and you know, the, the sons. He was right there, you know. Uh, he was up there. You don't become a master as we know at this for not no reason, you know. Yeah. Um, and I do hold him in in one of the highest regards. And when I was at the school, he may know these people that were there. Vinny Ayeta was there, Gracie Tajuka, another powerhouse of a guy, Salo Hibero, Shanji Ribeiro. Vinny Magalish, Hoxon, obviously. Kron was small. You know, I, I was out with um, Mario Aiello. If you ever get a chance to train with this guy, Gracie Los Angeles. This guy saved me from hanging up my kimono, from the beatings I used to get. Because it was, listen, let's make no bones about it. It was horrible then. Mm. To be uh, a Westerner and go train there, the pressure that was put on you, you would never have that today. We, 
jujitsu has become a little bit more sanitized, even in our community, because we want students to come in, we want to grow, we want to make it viable, we want to make it accessible. I used to get crushed over there, like, <laughs> like bad. You know, like I can remember times, and this is no joke, going back to the hotel and putting ice bags on my chest and laying down and, you know, in my hands and it, crazy. I used to make a mattress out of ice, it was that bad. And I, there was an American guy there called Joe, who left after like a week, came out to Brazil, we shared the same room. And he left like four days in, he was like, man, I can't take this anymore. They beat the crap out of me, you know? So yeah, it was, uh, the pimp hand was strong, my dear friends out there. <laughs> How'd you get I'll be able to see some of what you guys do too, you know, because it's probably identical to what we do. It's uh, just a little bit of like flavor, you know, it's like, oh, these are salt and vinegar, these are cheese and onion, they're still crisps, you know? Right. But these are the refinements. Basics yeah. will always be the same. The refinements yes. will be a little different. Yeah. No, I was going to say, how do you get that balance now? Because we've asked this as well of a couple of other instructors, like how do you get that balance of, making it real and keeping it effective and keeping it to its roots and not scaring people <laughs> when they first come in. I scare everyone. <laughs> little, look at you, imagine little old old man, smiley, bald guy, just... He's already told us how he scares them. He dresses up as Bigfoot and rides a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen that one. That's, you know, um, but no, listen, I people know my background. People know... People usually come to the academy doing some research. I, I, I very rarely get a, a random walk-in. So they know. And before the, the class, I'll explain to them what the lesson's going to be about and what we do. Of course, I'm not telling students to, to beat nine bells out of each other. Of course not. I'm not saying that. There are times for that. And we have classes for that. But these are optional. Um, and this takes time to grow into. You know, because people get curious. Humans are curious char characters, you know. I use this amazing analogy of jujitsu that I heard. And the analogy is this, you may have heard it. And um, David Adiv talks about this. It's the makings of a good joke. There's a karate guy, um, a judo guy, and no disrespect to anyone, and Elio Gracie on a plane. The makings of a good, good joke. The plane crashes in the desert, right? And this is how the synonym, this is how they, they summarize jujitsu. And uh, the karate guy looks out, they survived the crash, they look out, and he, he sees in the distance something. And he says, guys, look, there's people walking that way. Let's go get them, they'll save us. And then the other martial artist, whatever it is, says, no, 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 that's not people, that's, that's camels. There's something else. The old man, Elio, looks out and goes, I'm gonna go find out, you know? That yeah. summarizes jujitsu, right? Right, and that's what we have to portray as instructors. Um, remember, I, 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 have a, I have professional MMA fighters that come and learn from us. I'm in the corner of UFC guys. You know, Dan Hardy is a dear friend of mine, and we're in the corner together. Eric Oresk from um, where is he? Alliance MMA, and he was the head instructor at Phuket. These are friends of mine, and we corner together. We have a unique co coaching team. Terry Brazier. If you go back and look at some of the UFC fighters, Vaughn Lee. Um, Ross Pierce, all these guys that are in that come to learn from us. What do you think I teach them? Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> what belt are they? They're all white belts. <laughs> because until they know the fundamentals of what we do, I'm not putting them in the in the cage. 
win a couple of fights. Terry's a two-weight world champion in Bellator. From Page, sorry, from K uh, Bama to Bellator. I'm not going to give him a blue belt for what? We know you're good, but do you know jiu-jitsu? He submitted, when I start working with him, submitted six people in a row, I believe it was. One after the other, they fell. He's a striker, you know, <laughs> through submissions. Because, not because I'm good, but because the teachings that we've been taught are good. They're correct. They're right. And nowadays, people are learning an art that is half-baked, that they don't have the full idea of. They're learning a heel hook, but not learning an escape. They're not learning how to counter. They're not learning how to find that position from anywhere. You know, Hickson's a great um, uh, advocator of, and Cron does this a lot, submit people from anywhere, any position, upside down, the back, this, and you will find the submission if, it's, if, you, if you know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and there's a reason they come and train with us. There's a reason there, you know? They train with a the gi, they, they train, they learn the martial science, they learn the etiquette of it. Now, they just happen to be able to um, apply the bloody aspect of racy jiu-jitsu. The elbows and the, the knee strikes and the kicks and, you know, it's, that's what it is. But if you want to see it in its full entirety, that's where you look. So Those are flagships for us, you know, they, for, for you and I. Oh, so, so Terry trains that, but those UFC fighters train with Eddie Cohn, right? Eddie Cohn's under what? So they're Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, but they're in there using pizzaos and elbows and they're setting up their clinching. And, and, you know, being able to clinch is one aspect. If it gets too much, can we disengage and then re-engage? Can we disengage, strike and re-clinch again? Can we disengage and run away? All of these self-defense components that we're teaching these guys over and over and over is so important for you too, because they represent us as a collective, our one flag mentality. You know, it's so important. I, I love it when I watch a, like a, a mixed martial art fight and you see just some good old basic, you know, jujitsu. Right. I grab the kids. Look, that's what we're teaching you. Look, yeah, yeah. It's, it's important. And, yeah. and you guys, like you, you said, you trained eight years, Bill, right? Eight years? Eight, yeah, eight years almost to the day, I think. I think I started wow. just before my little boy's second birthday. So, yeah. Uh, and he's 10 on Sunday. So, yeah. Oh, happy birthday to him. Early happy birthday, right? <laughs> Thank you. I love them. You, you trained that one about 2010. Wow. Okay. So, wow. Wow. Actually, we yes. had a good story from a couple of episodes ago that um, I actually did a bit of grace jiu jitsu up in when I was at Coventry, I was at university. Um, there was a guy called Darren who was a blue belt, just didn't know. He's talking about grace jiu jitsu. Like you say, you then you go and try and find something afterwards, and it's not the same thing. Mm. Uh, but actually, turns out, I only found this out like last year, he was actually, he got your blue belt from Master Sour. He'd been out to Utah and trained with him, and that's where he got. That was that was his kind of um, lineage then. So it's kind of strange. Connect away, went away for like like ten years, and then you know reestablished it. You know. Yeah, and and do you I find three classes with him or something like that? You know. Yeah, no, but listen, it doesn't matter if it's one class or or two class, as long as we we get something from from that. And I've forgotten the guy's name up top. Pete, Pete, you're a judo brown belt or black belt? Brown. So how similar and, and does it work? Do they both co complement or not? Yeah, I start, I mean, I stopped my judo, yeah, quite a while ago because of injuries and stuff. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought, especially when I was at the, when I was first learning, when I was at the at Dan's place and I was there for about a year, um, it really, the judo really helped me with the wrestlers. Right. Uh, 
you know, and and so you have good total defense <laughs> for for a while. Yeah, I mean, my it's so different now. My game has changed so much. Oh, uh, the cover up story, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's changed. It's changed so much. Just we were saying again the other day, Robin and I, because we were at the beginning. It was just, and that was kind of the exciting bit about it. Actually, was it was it was just us two training together. Um, and we were kind of training together and learning together. And then we've had this sort of divergence of, because he learns everything that stops what I do. And I've learned everything that <laughs> to try and yeah, stop what he does. And so we've ended up with this like sort of divergence of styles when we're playing around. And, you know, obviously with the same underpinning of everything, um, which our students sort of mention now and again, they're like, oh, it's so different rolling, like training with him and training with you. And you know, and, and I'm just constantly getting beaten up by both of them, which is why I got good at Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I know the feeling. It's, but it's like um, it's like rock paper scissors. Yeah. <laughs> Me, I roll with someone, and I'm like, oh, that was a bit tough. And Pete's like, what are you talking about? But then he'll say the same thing about somebody else. And I'm like, really? Mm. But then when we roll together, Pete gets me. <laughs> yeah, listen. Good days and bad days, we all have them. Oh, and no, yeah. Roll with you. <laughs> but you can roll with someone six, seven times, you know, and each roll is obviously going to be different, but you go, wow, that was hard or whatever. Or some days you come in and you ace everyone and you're like, yeah, you know. That's only... Right, and then the next day you come in, and like I have, I had trouble. I've got a brown belt in my academy. He's just newly promoted, and uh, Bill, his name is. And listen, if you have long arms or your your arms elbows are not in, it's a wrap. And I'm not shy to tell you, he's been a student with me from a kid. This guy, and people know him. He's an absolute killer. He's a you know he's a mauler. You know, he walks on the mat and people are like, murderer. And then we look at these, he's there, you know. Have, <laughs> you guys have the same. But I was playing with this guy, you know, sparring and whatnot. And he caught me fair and square. You know, and he caught me. And I was like, that's what I want. Let's go again, you know. And then he, they get happy. They're like, oh, I did it once and I'll do it again. I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> after that one you can have that I'm allowed one bad day in the office right but you're not going to have it again and now he's after me the whole time he's a young gun he's like I think he's 24 law, law graduate but he's he's one of those unassuming people that you go yeah I'll take his trainers I'll take his backpack I'll take his uh, Gucci shades off him no chance that would be a horrible experience which I would pay to see I must add <laughs> I would pay to see that because it would be a wreck. You know? oh, so what they, how do you run your classes? Like we were talking, we touched on that earlier. Like, um, do you teach a lesson for a month or a week or a day or how do our, our fundamentals routine or our, our fundamental cycle is kind of like, um, we go by positions. Positions. Great. Yeah. So we'll kind of say, okay, well tonight we've got, uh, we're doing Mount. Okay. First thing, Mount maintenance. Great. So we work on, class and then we might look at uh what comes next after that man so i can't remember which order it is i think it's I think it comes his ocd he can't possibly tell you unless it's in the exact right order yeah. <laughs> so i think mount, so mount maintenance being the pushing the swimming the head hugging yeah. right yeah. okay got that anchor and base start, start yeah. Low, of course. Nice yeah 
uh, you know, off the knees, all this sort of stuff. The the rolling, letting them roll back and forward. Yeah, yeah. that's the job. Um, so yeah, we spend quite a lot of time just in position, nothing, no submission in that class at all, you know. Um, and then we've got like, we might do, okay, now we're going to do arm locks in the mouth. So we might do just in the fundamentals class, it would just be Americana, Americana. and like a straight arm bar from the top. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Then we've got a whole class on like cross chokes and stuff like that from the top. So that's that's how, so it would be mount specific for a few lessons. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. Four or five classes. Right. So so how how we do? We go um, so say lesson one for us is upa is trap and roll. Yeah. Is lesson one. We would do the week with upa and variations of so. We do things like um, little little drills we do is like when they're not posting or positioning on you, how to make them post, how to anticipate where the hand will go, snatching the arm, pushing the arm or trap and roll from when they're not posting or, um, you know, bringing them forward, using the knee in the back, all of this stuff. So all these variations for one week. Yeah. The second week of that we do. So if it was Mount Escape using UPA. We do how to counter the upa. Yeah. So we do how to counter that move. And then the, the third week would be specific sparring from one in the upa, one trying to defend it, right? And so on and so forth. And then we would go on to add cross-collar choke, you know, whether it be opening the collar, shooting the hand, shooting both hands, wrapping the neck, faking the American, you know, all of these little things. And then that would that would kind of be a month spent on that. Yeah. The month after would be then maybe attacking from that that position, whether it's cross collar choke, and then defend two weeks and two weeks defending cross collar choke, being aware, etc., etc. And what we found was when we did it the old way, like I've been to some schools because I go visit schools, you know, I go visit friends, and I go in and and you know what it's like usually when a black belt comes, people want to impress, you know. Listen, I know you're good. You're on the mat training, so it doesn't matter what level you are. You, you're good. You, you have my respect for, for showing up on the mat. But I go there, and there's like 10 techniques in one night. You know, that's, that's the one I see the most. The other one I see is one drill sparring for two hours. Yeah. That's okay. Okay, that's, that's okay. But there's a problem, a fundamental problem. Do you have enough set of eyes watching your students to make sure they are sparring and applying the moves correctly, continuously so or are they just randomly sparring and it's ad hoc are they finding positions by mistake or are they actively going after that in a sequence move and 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 getting it right and you know that's the old saying i'm not afraid of the guy who does a thousand kicks i'm afraid of the guy who does the one kick accurately you know uh call it the sniper syndrome so uh one hit one kill and and those guys terrorize me i'm afraid of those guys you know so we have Quite a lot between each other. Like we, like me personally, the other guys are pretty similar as well. I'm, I really, I add nothing to my game. I, not much goes in. It's the right. same stuff, just repeated sequence changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Because when uh, you, you can, can okay, Sorry, you know, be the same stuff. You know, if you're going to get caught, it will be caught by the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's important too because all of the graces are the same. It's the same stuff. It's a different setup. It's a different yeah. combination. You know. Um, there are so many ways to find that Americana, you know, and, and I actually said this to one of our, the Academy black belts. We have like six black belts in our Academy all by me. They're all, yeah, all different sizes and shapes and 
Um, great guy, great bunch of guys. You know, they really are. And I, I'm not just saying that because they're my, my black belt. I'm saying it because I, I whip them individually on the mat if I have to. <laughs> but, I'm, you know, no, but I have some, um, they're incredible people. That's the main thing, you know. We have Shauna Scoffrey, who's the main character in The Lion King. He's a black belt in our academy, right? We have James Gregory, who is a fitness instructor. We have Liam Wandy, who's a, a university teacher. You know, there are so many of them. There are just an abundance of guys that are... And diverse as well, right? So diverse. They, we, rep, we really represent a community, you know, we, and we really are. And we, we have this thing called the Black Belt Council. And we get together and like this, much like a Zoom thing, and we discuss ways to make the academy better because it's a democracy. We discuss how to make our students better, how to implement things that will benefit our students that we didn't have, you know, so allocating times to them, allocating private lessons, allocating um, mindset, allocating diet, allocate, you know, all of this stuff that needs to be taught. We cover each other's classes and it just works so well because I used to be a singular instructor teaching for like 12, 13 years, 14 years. That's horrendous. You know, that is horrendous. Like not only teaching private lessons daily, but group class, kids class, you know, getting thrown 20 times per hour in the private lesson is not good. You know? Now we share the break for. <laughs> <laughs> it's keeping that longevity as well, isn't it? Keeping you fresh so that you, in, you, know, you enjoy it and then you pass Absolutely. that on to the students because you're always enthusiastic because you're not burnt out. Listen, we don't rely on the grips. I rather strike than grip. And I'm so fortunate I don't have to wear tape on my fingers when I'm teaching lessons or sparring and I, I don't have to do that. You know, I'm so, so blessed for that, that the body is a working machine and we have to treat it like that. It's cliche as it sounds, the older we get, the longer it is to, to come back from being thrown around. And like you get these young, young guys in and you guys probably see this and they, they go through it. They, they ragdoll you one after the other because they want to catch you. They're so desperate to catch you. And I do, I laugh, like when I'm training a lot, I laugh because I can see what they're trying to do and I kind of anticipate and laugh, unless they surprise me and it has happened. But a um, couple of days after, I'm still feeling the effects of that role. And I teach now two group classes a day, plus private lessons, right? So, you know, you know what it's like for me sometimes? It's like putting your hand in a packet of crisp and a mousetrap, catch the hand, right? And then you have to go back the next day and eat the same bag of crisp with the same mouse. You, you, of course, you'd be cautious, right? But it will catch you. So you have to be careful. <laughs> and that's how I try and look after the, the body. Yeah, that's good. And wise words, Eddie. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing those with us and spending this time this evening. Listen, it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure, man. I wanted to connect with you, really connect with you guys for a long time and you know, you country folk and us city slickers, we, we're <laughs> not a million miles away. And listen, in all sincereness, you guys represent the flag I stand for. And I represent the flag you guys stand for. And you guys are always welcome. And that's not, that's not words. You just have to pick the phone up. Um, you know, I know you have Master Pedro and, and, and you have a whole bunch of amazing people. But if you need something or advice on something, listen, pick the phone. We're in the same... Same UK, right? And, and that was, me and Robin talked about this over a year ago. This is the one flag mentality that you guys do have connections with guys that 
you know, check us out. That guys that are legitimate Gracie guys, not people who are just claiming to be. You know that we we have that, and so I'm extending that that kind of hand, and you guys are welcome. You know. I could have um, I could have talked to you all night long. I had loads of questions because I, I looked on YouTube earlier and tried to find you just so I knew what I was expecting coming into tonight. But your uh, razor edge stuff, and you know what you do yeah. with weapons in class, and those sorts of things. So, uh, and maybe yeah, maybe we'll get together on another day and, uh, and have sure. a chat that's, about some of those. That things. one that one brought a lot of questions to us, and uh, yeah, I'm happy a bit, I'm, actually. Yeah. And uh, listen, I'm happy to talk about that. It's a civilian training program. I'm happy to mm. tell people what that is. You know, if you want to do that at a later date, absolutely, because you know people have questions and. And I'm always putting myself in the firing line for those questions because I don't do anything without clear, concise direction and an understanding of, of what we're doing. No, for sure. Um, yes, maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll look look you up again at some point. Whenever I'm always around. Well, I'd like to meet you in person first before we do that. Yeah. No, definitely. Listen, it would be a, it would be a pleasure. You know, um, I would love to come down when you have um, Master Sauer over at some point if our schedule allows you know my guys i'm sure would love to come down girls government allows and uh, yeah right and and listen anyone we have over if you've noticed we only ever have gracie's teaching seminars at our school i have guests come in because i have a lot of friends but um any of the graces that pop over you guys you know if you guys like to attend please put a call in we always look out for you guys and perfect thank you so last little plug for you then, Eddie, so so that I can find you firstly on uh, Instagram, but so other people that may be listening, how do they how do they find your school? How do they find out about you? It's that humble bragging time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm very easy to find. My social media is all at EKBJJ on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and the website is EKBJJ.com or EKBJJ online. If you guys you know, interested in having a look at our online program, maybe for something that you guys want to develop or happy to share, happy to put you in touch with John who did ours. And, you know, you can see the level of, of uh, commitment and dedication he's put to the site. You know, And you, you listen, you're going to see and go, man, we, that's what we do uh, for sure. From just that <laughs> conversation. And, like, and that's yes. what's important. Yes. Yes. Also, yeah, absolutely. Wicked. Wicked. Cool. Well, I'll, uh, I'll cut off the screen, the, the live stream there so that we can uh, save that. Right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Anyone that's tuned in, um, if you're listening to on the audio, um, thanks very much. And um, we'll catch you guys later.